Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rich Eisen. He is one of the all-time... Rich Eisen. Absolute frigging greats. This is the Rich Eisen Show. I don't see no competition. With guest host Ben Lyons. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Hey, Rich. Huge fan. Love your show. Listen to it every day. Thanks, brother. The Rich Eisen Show. And now, sitting in for Rich, here's Ben Lyons. Welcome back to the show, Hour 2, on a Thursday, day after the NBA Finals. Got an all-timer in Milwaukee last night. Devin Booker with the bounce-back game. Wasn't enough, though, in the series all tied up at 2. Got a lot going on. The, uh, the Open Championship underway. There was a story that broke earlier in the golf uh world this was earlier the week uh, in the golf world that kind of caught my eye and i wanted to get into it a little bit everybody knows about the rivalry that's developed between brooks kepka and bryson dechambeau and that's what golf needs in the post tiger era it needs some chippiness it needs some rivalries in fact all of our favorite sports are rooted in rivalries us versus them our town versus your town our favorite player versus the villain on the other team That's what makes sports great is not only rooting for your team or the athlete you love, but also rooting against the other team. That's part of it. Um, And rivalries are are, are at the core of what makes sports great. What Magic and Bird each did was only elevated because they had to do it against each other. So Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau, in a sport that doesn't have that kind of physical contact one-on-one, you're not directly playing your opponent. I always say in golf, you're playing against yourself, the course, and a higher power. But Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau have developed this feud that they're now going to have to put aside because for a week, they're going to be playing as teammates on the Ryder Cup this fall. Over the weekend, uh, when they were doing some press around the British Open at Royal St. George's Golf Club, uh, Brooks Kepka said, it's only a week. Look, I can put it aside for business. If we're going to be on the same team, this is DeChambeau, I can deal with anybody in the world for a week. Can you deal with anybody in the world for a week? Can you go to work side by side with your arch rival? I'm trying to think of what other industries where this would happen. If you have a steakhouse and you're a chef and across town somebody's cooking steaks, can you guys be in the kitchen together on the line? Do you guys have to host a barbecue together? If you're a dentist and you do the best cleanings on the west side of town, and there's another dentist across town who does equally good 
cleanings. Can you guys scrub some teeth together? I don't know. That's what Brooks and and, and Bryson are going to have to do at the uh, at the Ryder Cup. And as somebody who loves the Ryder Cup and loves that guys like Tony Finau are hopefully going to be in the mix again and Dustin Johnson, it's going to be held out at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin, which is just a beautiful course that I've only seen in video games. Uh, I don't want to see them implode. I don't want to see them. I don't want to see their rivalry explode when they're Ryder Cup teammates. I don't want to see that. So interesting kind of story in the golf world. Both those guys competing right now, obviously, at the Open Championship. Um, the NBA Finals last night, Milwaukee gets it done. And, and when I look at this game, it, it, yes, it's the Giannis play, but what I love about the play and the reason why the block will forever be iconic is that it wasn't the, the things that constantly get sold to us on our timeline as fans. It was help side defense. We're always sold. Look how far Logo Lillard shot it from. Look at LaMelo Ball in high school pointing at center court and jacking up a 50-footer and, and hitting it. You never see the five he misses, by the way. We're sold alley-oops, Zion, windmill dunks. But last night, a help-side defensive play changed the course of the game and, and possibly the series. So a lot of talk today, of course, on Sports Talk Radio about the great defensive plays of all time. You think Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl. You think, uh, you think Giannis last night, of course, LeBron's block. But I want to dig in the vault. Something I didn't hear any anybody talking about today is uh is probably the greatest play in the history of the uh, history of baseball. Roll it, Laura. There's a long drive way back in center field, way back, back it is. Money oh! May just brought this crowd to its feet with a catch, which must have been an optical illusion to a lot of people. That's Jack Brickhouse on the call. The game was on TV on NBC. That's Willie Mays, the Say Hey Kid, with the catch on September 29th, 1954, during Game 1 of the World Series off a bomb hit by Vic Wirtz directly to center field, deep in the old polo grounds in Upper Manhattan. It's grainy footage, but, but look it up if you've never seen Willie Mays' catch. Probably the greatest catch in the history of baseball. In the World Series, the Giants would win the game in extra innings, by the way. 5-2 to two in the 1954 series and eventually go on to win the World Series. Uh, that was what I first thought of when, when people were talking about the great defensive plays of all time. Giannis coming off the hyperextension? I mean, that is, is something we just kind of like have taken for granted at this point in the series. And when... It's funny when they uh, when they when they show Giannis checking out of the game at the start of the game, Mark Jackson always points out, or Jeff Van Gundy, they point out, oh, is something wrong with him, or me, I've never seen a star do that, and, and you start to question, oh, is the knee acting up? Is he not right? But it turns out Giannis leaves the game in the first quarter for other reasons. I wanted uh, what the hell you guys say politely. I wanted to take a, a tinkle. A tinkle? Yeah, yeah. I went to take a tinkle and came back. Yeah. That's it. That's is that's polite, right? Tinkle is polite, yeah. Both games. I went to take a tinkle and went back. This is the greatest. Giannis, uh, who's lived such a wild life, and that moment of, of levity and, and humor uh, is, is definitely a part of who he is. But he's been so locked in. 
he's been so dialed in in these games. You can see him, his his energy, his focus. You know his determination. I heard a great story about Giannis in his first All-Star game uh, in New Orleans in 2017. He approached it as if it were a playoff game. He went through his routine. He went through his shoot-around. He went through his pregame meals. All the normal things that athletes do to get ready for a game. He arrived at the arena hours before the game to get in some work. Meanwhile, his teammates who have been in five, six, seven All-Star games, they're coming in from the night before. They're going to the Jordan party. They're doing a Foot Locker signing. They're coming in, uh, you know, 20 minutes before the game. Giannis went out there and competed as if it were the NBA finals. And even Steph Curry to say, Hey, Hey dude, s- slow down. Like this is a, this is pageantry. This is an exhibition, but he's so dialed in as a competitor. He's so locked in. Think about this space jam, which was supposed to come out last summer. The new LeBron version of space jam is, is coming out this Friday space jam, a new legacy. And all week on the rich Eisen show, I've been counting down my five favorite basketball films of all time. I'll share with you number two in a moment. But Giannis got an offer to be in Space Jam. Damian Lillard got an offer to be in Space Jam. He accepted it, as did Clay Thompson. He accepted it. Neka Agumake, Diana Taurasi. These are the monsters in the latest version starring LeBron James. And something tells me there'll be a few other NBA cameos along the way. Giannis said, uh-uh, nope. I get better in the summertime. Those are my competitors. I don't want to be a part of that. I want to do my own thing. And it's that mindset, that focus that has led him to this moment. And he's taken the series back in his own hands, like Thanos. After games one and two, it was felt like the coronation of Chris Paul. 16 years in the NBA, on the banana boat alongside Chris, uh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. And let history show that Carmelo Anthony never photographed on the banana boats. Just want to point that out. But Chris Paul, you know, he's he's known as one of the great players of all time. But is he in the Barkley, Malone, John Stockton club? Or does he get at the seat at, a seat at the table alongside Dwayne Wade and LeBron and his buddies and Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce? And, and while they've all won the game of life, and while he, he's an all-timer and a Hall of Famer, regardless how the next two or three games plays out in this series, that means something to those guys. So... It definitely means something to us. I have no problem sitting here being an armchair quarterback, analyzing the greatness of others because I know they care about it as well. You know, Chris wants an NBA championship. He sacrificed so much for it, and I'm rooting for him to get it. But when Giannis is there to take it out of his hands, to literally rip it out of the sky, I mean, that play last night, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. And I'm not going to say it was more impactful, meaningful or had greater historical significance than LeBron's block against Andre Iguodala at the end of Game 7 in 2016. No, I'm not going to sit here and say that, but just from the physicality of it, if you were a Martian and you came down to Earth from outer space and you knew nothing about the history of the NBA, you knew nothing about LeBron being the chosen one and him taking his talents to South Beach only to return to his hometown which technically really isn't his hometown. He grew up 40 miles down the road, but you get the idea. If you knew none of that as a visiting space alien and you just had to look at both of those plays, you'd probably say that the Giannis block was more impressive 
of a physical feat. And I bring that up not to diminish the LeBron block. He ran full speed from half court, jumped through the air, and blocked it at the top of the square. It's ridiculous. But I do that just to elevate the Giannis block and put it in its historical context and put it in its place. I mean, that was tremendous what he did last night. Ramona Shelburne was on earlier from ESPN, covers the game better than anybody. Asked me a question, and I didn't have an answer for it. Have you ever seen somebody guard the driver who throws the alley-oop and then switch to then guard the dunker? Never seen that before. So Giannis coming off the hyperextension, doing things we've never seen before, giving you everything out there. It was an all-time performance. Chris Middleton led the way. Found Milwaukee. Not only am I, am I feeling good about where I'm at with the series, but I'm feeling good about where I'm at moving forward. You know, there was lots of talk about Budenheiser getting fired if the Bucks don't win this series. There's lots of talk about breaking up the trifecta of Middleton, Giannis, and Holiday if they can't get it done. They've been knocking on the door for a few years now. You know, when Brooke Lopez started jacking up threes last night, I said, uh-oh, they're in trouble. But they're able to figure it out. Brooke Lopez gave him a great game five in the Eastern Conference Finals. I still think he's got a blowout, uh, a blow-up game in, in his future where he's going to go for 20 or 25-plus in this series. I mean, Phoenix is just so small. Phoenix up front. You know, they're losing the rebounding battle last night. 17 offensive rebounds for Milwaukee, 17 turnovers for Phoenix. That's the game. It's not the stats and the blocks uh, from Giannis and Middleton and Books 42. and No, it's Milwaukee with 17 offensive rebounds last night. That just shows size, effort. And what happens when you get an offensive rebound? You're close to the basket. So put back, second chance points, which are so demoralizing to a team. Well, Milwaukee won that last night. And the turnovers. Chris Paul had a gang of them, none more timely than at the end of the game. But the five turnovers for Milwaukee shows a level of focus dialed in togetherness. They've played as a unit for several years now. And Phoenix is young. They're inexperienced. A lot of first-timers in the playoffs. Besides Jay Crowder, no finals experience. You know, they bring Chris and Crowder to the mix, but other than that, it's a bunch of kids. And I thought last night their youth showed down the stretch. I think the others didn't show up for Devin Booker. They need Cam Johnson. They need Cameron Payne desperately if they're going to want to win this series. I'm so dialed in. I'm so happy it's NBA Finals time. Space Jam comes out on... Friday. It's the new version with LeBron James starring Don Cheadle directed by Malcolm Lee. And so all week long, I've been counting down my five favorite basketball films of all time. Many of you know, in addition to covering sports, I cover film, worked at the E channel for a long time, hosted the old at the movies, grew up in a, in a home that celebrated cinema, loved film. My father's a film critic to this day. I love that at 76, he's still trying to get fast and furious nine screenings, but dad, focus on the Sundance movies. So I grew up loving cinema. Sports storytelling is what it's all about for me. We can analyze the X's and O's, the three-point percentage, but tomorrow night there's another game. It's the legacies that are written, the stories that are told, that are passed down from generation to generation, which define the sports we love. And last night we saw NBA history get another chapter with the Devin Booker bounce back, Middleton's 40-piece, and the Giannis block. Sports storytelling. 
My five favorite basketball films. I kicked things off uh, with number five on Monday, Love and Basketball, a beautiful film starring Sanaa Lathan and Omar Epps, a love story about two USC college basketball players who fall in love with the game and with each other. At number four, Playground Classic, Above the Rim. Shouts out to Olaf's. Real hoopers know what Olaf's were. They're that signature shorts with the two-tone panel that are featured in the movie Above the Rim. The late Tupac Shakur, the late Bernie Mac. Great lead performance from Dwayne Martin, Leon. I love Above the Rim. I love the soundtrack. At number three on my list, White Men Can't Jump. We had one of the stars of the film last night, Raymond, who, uh, who tries to rob the liquor store. Says uh, It's played by Marcus Johnson, five-time NBA All-Star for the Milwaukee Bucks. Played for the Clippers, his son, Josiah Johnson, the king of Twitter. That's my number three favorite film. You know how many times I went to a, a playground and, and got called Billy Hoyle as a kid growing up playing hoop? So I love White Man Can't Jump. And coming up next, I'll share my second favorite basketball film ever made. And plus, we'll chop it up with Hollywood producer and best friend growing up of Kevin Durant's business partner, Rich Kleiman, my buddy Jamie Patrickoff will Check in next. We'll talk a little sports storytelling next with Jamie. It's Ben Lyons filling in for Rich after game four of the NBA Finals right here on The Rich Eisen Show. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Welcome back to the show. Ben Lyons here hanging out on a Thursday, filling in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show, sending lots of good love and energy to Rich. Spoke to him yesterday. He's doing well, feeling okay, all things considered. I don't know if you had a chance to see Rich's Instagram post, but diagnosed with COVID-19, he's showing slight symptoms, but he's doing okay. And having been vaccinated, he pointed out that it's what saved him from it being far more severe. Um, 
like I said, we spoke with Rich yesterday. He's doing okay. The stint for me filling in for Rich was uh, predetermined a few weeks ago, so unrelated, um, just the way it sort of worked out. Um, but a reminder that we're not through this yet, and um, and we're sending love to Rich uh, on, on a Thursday here. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen Show. I was talking before the break about some of my favorite basketball films of all time, you know, Space Jam, The New Legacy, the LeBron James version of Space Jam comes out this Friday. I was counting down my five favorite films. We've got Laura on the boards here today filling in for Raiders Arts. And Laura, I'll just share a little clip from my second favorite basketball film ever made. Your role today, Arthur, is to impress the coaches. Try not to be too fancy. You take the open shot when you have it. Play good defense and make good passes. The rest of it just play natural, you know. I'm hoping I'm going to go to St. Joe and play, but first I got to, I got, I got, I got to get my books straight and hopefully come out and, and um, impress the coaches. That's a young Arthur Ag. the subject of the documentary Hoop Dreams. Uh, when it came out, it was just such a watershed moment to follow these two young men in Chicago as they pursue their basketball dreams. I'd never been done before on that scale. It's a beautiful film, a Sundance movie that went on all the way to the Academy Awards. Hoop Dreams, number two on my list. And as we continue to talk films and sports storytelling, I thought it'd be a great idea to bring onto the show my buddy Jamie Patrickoff, who in addition to being a legend in the entertainment league, basketball league here in Los Angeles, is somewhat of a sports storyteller himself as a producer. You got your start, Jamie, making sports stories with the life back on ESPN. Had you go to an Allen Iverson softball game way back when? Well, thanks for joining the show. What are your thoughts on just the world of sports storytelling and how it's impacted your career? Thanks, Ben. Uh, always uh, fun to, to be with you. Um, yeah, I mean, my as you mentioned, my first thing I did in entertainment was The Life, uh, uh, which was ESPN's first original uh, programming. At that time, they only did news and, and, and live events. Uh, and, you know, still to this day, probably the one of the most ex- exciting experiences I've ever had. I mean, obviously being my first TV show, that was, that was fun. Um, and doing ESPN's first TV show, um, but it was amazing. I mean, at the time, it sounds it sounded revolutionary at the time, but being a fly on the wall in athletes' lives, uh, you know, now is a regular occurrence on you know social media. Um, but you know, being there with these athletes from Shaq to uh, Allen Iverson to LeBron to you know every single athlete across the board uh, was was extraordinary, and uh, you know really launched my career. And although I always loved sports, um, I transitioned into more narrative traditional uh non-sports programming but always stuck with it uh, which uh is is really special to be able to combine my love of sports movies and tv uh, is um is a great uh, it's great for me to have the opportunity to do that with the 30 for 30s and um it's uh sports is you know the ultimate uh you know story i mean it's it's it, it, we see it every playoffs or olympics and the the people who produce the sports content um, are extraordinary at it uh at weaving these narratives together um and it's uh you know you're you're watching these movies play out in in real time um which is is you know unique in life Uh, producer jamie patrickoff joins the show after doing the life he went on to do ryan gosling movies that make you feel and think about your ex-girlfriends now he uh has a new film that, that is out now 
uh, called Holler. I had to be a little Hollywood the other day. I was out of town for the screening. I missed it. Yada, yada. Hollywood. Tell me about Holler. I want to give it some shine. Holler is uh, made by a filmmaker named Nicole Regal. Her first film, uh, she was born and raised in Ohio, which is where we shot the film. And it's inspired a little bit by her story. Just, uh, you know, a girl growing up in a town with factories closing, uh, didn't have many options, was not really supported in her dream of filmmaking. Um, and ultimately, you know, in real life, she actually went into the armed services. Um, and then after that, went into uh, filmmaking. And, you know, the holler doesn't follow that story directly. It's definitely inspired by that. And Jessica Barden uh, is stars in it, who's great, and Austin Emilio and Becky Ann Baker and Pam Ablon. And it's a really wonderful film. We played the festivals and now is out and it's doing really well. And uh, people are loving it, which is great. Uh, so, and I love thanks, this about you, Jamie. That. You can, I joke and say you do these these more artistic, you know, films as well as these artistic sports stories. But you're you're a champion of storytelling. And when it comes to the world of sports, you've done it a few times throughout your career. Like you mentioned, the Thirty for Thirties, uh, Cue Ball, which is a great documentary about the relationship the Golden State Warriors have with the the inmates in San Quentin. Of course, Sugar, which is a terrific baseball movie, baseball top of mind now with the All-Star game, of course, being won. The MVP was won by Vladimir Guerrero, who's you know the son of a Dominican player, so it made me think of Sugar, obviously. Um, and as you're watching sports, you know, you have this unique relationship and access to it because you grew up with Rich Kleiman, who's Kevin Durant's business partner. You've worked closely with them on some projects. What's it like to be in the boardroom, on the boardroom, with a guy like KD? And what do athletes like KD bring to the storytelling process? Well, it's been, it's been really exciting to see these athletes get their hands dirtier in the actual making of content and having, uh, you know, not only just, you know, putting their names on things, but actually get into the storytelling and having opinion uh, because they, uh, you know, no one knows it better than they do. And, and I'm, you know, I'm glad you brought up Sugar. Uh, you know, that film is a very special film to me. Uh, you know, it really, when we premiered that film, the Dominican Republic at, for the, the president of the country invited us to premiere the film there. And we had, you know, Vladimir Greer, I think was actually there, senior, um, Pedro Martinez, all these guys uh, coming and sitting in the theater and crying because they're seeing their story being told really for the first time. Um, and the filmmakers, Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden, who obviously went on to do Captain Marvel and other great films, um, really took the time to learn the stories of these athletes and then put them on screen. And I think now that you have KD and LeBron and Steph and, you know, Carmelo and all these guys getting, um, and female athletes as well, getting into the, the storytelling themselves, you're seeing it come out um, in a way you've never seen it before. And I think with KD and Rich on the boardroom and the content that they're providing, it's, you know, it's coming from the horse's mouth and it's coming from, their insight and it really allows sports fans a whole nother level of access that they wouldn't have otherwise. And so I think, you know, people are really lucky today to have uh, athletes get involved with content as they are. Jamie Patrickoff, producer, joins the show. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich on the Rich Eisen show. Jamie now turning into one of those basketball fans from New York who gave up on the Knicks in the 90s, probably started following LeBron, loved Lob City and the Clippers. Now he's down with Brooklyn because of KD. So when I ask you about the NBA Finals right now, I'm trying to figure out who you're rooting for. And I would guess Phoenix because there's probably a Chris Paul connection. Oh, man. <laughs> That's how you've been putting on blast there. Um, 
It's a it's a toss up. I mean, I um, Chris Paul is and his wife are really active, and my wife's nonprofit, Baby to Baby, and so I, I have I'll give Chris Paul a lot of love, and he's such a good guy. I love the Bucks. I love Giannis. Uh, with Mark Lazary. Ah, that's right, the um, Lazary so, thing. Uh, I knew you were leaning that uh, way. That's what I, I forgot. Yes, I'm that gonna, makes I'm sense. Gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take take the fifth on who I, who I'm rooting for. Such a fair. Um, you're a fair weather fan, but like for reasons, I guess. I, I have in my old age, I've and fortunate to be able to know some exciting, interesting people. I have put my personal allegiance and loyalty to friends above my fandom, and and hate on me as much as you want, but when KD is is playing in the NBA Finals. I don't care what team he's playing for. I'm rooting for him. And so that all of a sudden just changed my entire uh, fandom experience. So I'm a, I guess I'm a, I, don't, I can't call it a fair weather fan. I'm a, I'm a friend fan, I guess. No, the same things happened to me during these NBA Finals. I feel a very strong emotional connection to the Phoenix Suns because I love Langston Galloway. And I want to see once a Nick, always a Nick, Langston Galloway get an NBA title. Jamie, did you know that since the NBA Finals uh, began, which featured a loss from the New York Knicks, there has been a member of the New, uh, a former member of the New York Knicks on at least one NBA Finals roster for every single NBA Finals ever? That sounds about right. Uh, you know, the Knicks are, are pros at trading away their best talent. So The last uh, time your buddy surprising. Kevin Durant was in the NBA Finals, he saw Jeremy Lin get a ring. So, you know, that's that's what we deal with as, as Knicks fans. Um, Jamie, you, uh, you mentioned that you, your wife founded this incredible organization, Baby to Baby, and you get tremendous support from Chris Paul, as well as a number of members, I would imagine, of the NBA and sports community. I've been on some of what I call these, like, Hollywood Illuminati Zooms with you that are around politics and you host these incredible conversations with people who are really impacting and making a difference in our society across all facets of life. What I love seeing on the zooms when I scroll through and it feels like a Saturday night live skit of like people uh, doing impersonations of these celebrities on the zoom, um, that the, the athletes participate and the athletes are part of the conversation, not only in moving storytelling forward, but in moving public policy forward and moving social change forward. So as somebody who not only is at the center of Hollywood storytelling, but incredibly dialed in and passionate about what the state of our country, what role do athletes and, and, and in particular basketball players, you think men and women play in, in the fight for social justice? I think it's critical, and you saw what happened the last year, um, and obviously they've been doing it forever. Um, this last year, things changed in many ways, um, and I think that uh, it's critical to see them uh, taking a stand and allowing their views to be heard and feeling comfortable doing that. It's, it's not easy to do. Um, you know, it's easy in some ways for me to say what I think, um, but when KD or LeBron or or any, any athlete um, – says something or wears something or does something, it's scrutinized, you know, as we know, across the, the world. Uh, but I think for both kids today and fans of those teams, um, I, I, think it's, I think it's important that they have, use their voices, you know, in, in any way they can to make a change, whether it is what Marcus Rashford did for, you know, family, for school, um, school meals in, in the UK, which was extraordinary. And that guy is a superstar in my mind. Um, or it's somebody just wearing a shirt or somebody just, you know, somebody getting behind a political candidate. I understand it's hard and I don't, uh, I don't get frustrated or angry uh, when the, someone was not willing to do that. Um, 
but I think it's I think it's important um, as society moves forward and we kind of come to terms with a lot of the challenges we're facing. Jamie Patrickoff joins the show. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Jamie, uh, an activist, a producer behind films like Cue Ball and Sugar, as well as Holler in theaters now. Jamie, also an E-League legend here in Los Angeles. The Entertainment League, founded by Shane Duffy, was this ridiculous basketball league on the weekends that was a who's who of Hollywood and saw some epic battles. I remember sitting in the stands one day seeing two Supermans square off. Brandon Routh was guarding Dean Kane, and the gym had an energy to it that day. Uh, name drop for us a little bit some of the uh, the legends you competed against in, with in the E League. I you know I think the most fun is I got to be Carol Owens' uh, uh, teammate, um, which for me was really uh, exciting um, to see. I mean, to see an athlete of that caliber and be his teammate um i also learned uh very quickly um you know how uh it, it might have been challenging to coach to as a as a as a nfl coach um and i think he took the same level of competition to the to the basketball court he did to the football field um but the um you know that that league was was a really great experience and shane did a wonderful job of of pulling in different um, you know, Michael B. Jordan played, and um, I mean the the list is you know in the in the history of the E League, you know whether it was Adam Sandler or Will Ferrell or I think Mark Wahlberg. I mean, it really they really did a great job, and it was really fun. Um, and I think for you know um, someone who missed missed uh, his basketball career ended after uh, our legendary high school run, which then you know we don't have to talk about. Um, you know, to get back into that environment with, I think, just even having refs and trainers and coaches and whatnot and uniforms, that made it fun alone. But, you know, it was aired on TV and whatnot, and it was really, it was a great experience. I do take away that same feeling and same sentiment about playing alongside Terrell Owens, where I remember feeling, wow, it's so cool, T.O.'s on our team. And then by week four, you're like, man, T.O.'s not passing the ball. Why is this guy here? He's taking it so seriously. <laughs> and then, I remember. Yeah, God, I, I, I also remember one. guarding Michael B. Jordan and remembering thinking, I'm not in great shape anymore. <laughs> um, and your prime, Ben, you would have had no problem. Thank you. Um, I, did, I did drill a three in J. Cole's face, and now I see he's playing professionally in Africa, so that makes me feel good. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, you think back to those high school battles, obviously, uh, Fields and Eagles and the Collegiate Dutchman. I went to Collegiate where Ray Vokel, our coach, had a famous phrase, players play. What do you remember about playing alongside Rich Kleiman? For those who see Rich Kleiman in the news hanging out with Kevin Durant and wearing glasses that make him look like Kleinfeld in Carlito's way, what do people need to know about Rich Kleiman, the basketball player? <laughs> Rich was a great basketball player. He really was. Um, you know, he was he, he, he channeled his... Uh, idol mark jackson very early on so even as uh you know even though fieldston was a, a uh, actually was a pretty impressive basketball team in our, in our day um you know he uh you know as he grew he would not give, give up the point guard range so as much as he could um he had great handle great outside shot um i you know we've even you know even in his old age although he doesn't really like to continue to play basketball he's moved on to tennis um, he's still, uh, you know, when we have gotten on the court, he, he hasn't lost at all. Um, I've kept up playing basketball much more than I probably should. So I think I've, you know, probably finally surpassed him, uh, from a, a talent level, but, you know, maybe we'll have to see him next time, uh, he's willing to lace up some, some shoes and play, um, 
but we had some fun times. We had a really, we had a really great time playing, playing basketball together. And as a, you know, Jewish private school in New York city, making it all the way to the state tournament and being all city, all league and things like that was really, really fun. Um, unfortunately our, our, most of our careers ended at that point, but, uh, uh, we we, uh, we had a good time doing it together. For anyone listening to this, if you see Rich Kleiman at the Barclays next season, loitering courtside with the movers and shakers, if you see the Nets struggling, if you're a fan out there and you see Rich at a Nets game, just shout at Rich. Put Sam Gilbert in the game, and he'll understand <laughs> that you have a deeper knowledge of basketball if you're able to yeah. shout out Sam yeah. Gilbert, the yeah. legend. Yeah. Um, Jamie, I appreciate you taking some time, man. The movie is holler. Uh, be sure to go back and check out sugar. If you're a fan of sports storytelling, it's a quality film that holds up all these years later. Thanks so much, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks, Ben. Great to talk to you. Producer, activist, and E-League legend, Jamie Patrickoff sharing some stories about growing up with Rich Kleiman, uh, in New York city. Rich has gone on now to, to build some great businesses alongside Kevin Durant. And again, a reminder that there are lots of different people who touch the game. It's not just the athletes and coaches and executives. They're storytellers, they're managers, they're producers who all help us as fans emotionally connect to the games we love. All right, coming up in about 20 minutes, the biggest Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan in Los Angeles. He was on the original cast of CBS's Survivor, hosts his own radio show, The Shane Show. He's going to be kind enough to join our show. It's Ben Lyons. Filling in for Rich on The Rich Eisen Show. Battle Creek, Michigan, 1963. Kellogg's and Post, sworn cereal rivals, race to create a pastry that will change the face of breakfast forever. A wildly imaginative tale of ambition, betrayal, and menacing milkmen, sweetened with artificial ingredients. Unfrosted stars Jerry Seinfeld in his directorial film debut. It features a supporting cast of comedy greats, including Melissa McCarthy, Jim Gaffigan, Hugh Grant, Amy Schumer, Max Greenfield, Christian Slater, Sarah Cooper, Bill Burr, and many more. Streaming right now on Netflix. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back to the show. Ben Lyons here hanging out for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. As always, you can hit us up at Rich Eisen Show, at I am Ben Lyons on Twitter. Be on Peacock next week. Looking forward to hanging out with TJ and Del Tufo and Brockman, everybody back from vacation next week. I'll be hanging out for another week or so here on the Rich Eisen Show. Appreciate you spending some of your day with us. Just had our producer Jamie Patrick off on, who's done a lot of great sports projects over the years. Stuff like Cue Ball, the documentary about the Warriors and their relationship with the prisoners at San Quentin. They play a game every year featuring Warriors staff and executives with the prisoners. It's an incredible moment. For, for both teams, really, as they have a new appreciation and understanding of themselves and of what makes life special. It's a great film. It's called Cue Ball. Also did a movie called Sugar a few years back. It's a story of a Dominican baseball player who comes to the United States. It's not a documentary. It's scripted and tries to make his way to the majors 
living in the minor leagues and what that must be like for someone who doesn't speak the language, has never been to America before. The lead performance by Algenes Perez Soto plays Miguel in the movie. Just a beautiful, uh, subtle, and, and nuanced performance. The film is Sugar, and if you love sports stories, if you love baseball movies, uh, it's right up there. Uh, usually we have here at the Rich Eisen Show, we've got Raiders board op art manning the boards, always trying to sneak in Raiders references. Uh, today we've got Laura filling in, who is a big movie fan and wanted to share with me her favorite basketball film of all time because Space Jam, A New Legacy, the <laughs> LeBron James version, comes out tomorrow. Please tell me your favorite basketball film is not the original Space Jam. No, no, no. Of course not. I'm not I mean, that's too obvious. Because nostalgia is a powerful drug. People have been drinking the Kool-Aid on of the course. nostalgia for the original Space Jam. It's just one big David Falk underwear commercial. It's not a real movie. Of course. Oh, well, I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know if we agree with you. All right. Well, what's but your favorite will... basketball film of all time? It is called. Well, I won't tell you. Here you go. Gosh, we are all in such great shape. Oh, jeez. Man, you know. I will tell you something. You know, in 10 years, you're going to have this thing right here that no amount of crunch is looking for. And spot reduction, total lie. You know, I... Never mind. Give me the ball. Is that High School Musical? No, close. 17 again. 17 again? Yes, 17 again. Zac Efron, 2009. Great movie. No, this is not a joke. Michelle Trachtenberg, <laughs> I did the junket for that movie. I actually <laughs> remember interviewing everybody for that film. And Zach loved doing the basketball scenes because he fancies himself a hooper. He played in that E-League I was talking about ah. with Jamie in the segment before. And who's the who switches bodies with Trachtenberg again? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't remember. Is, okay. <laughs> is it... Is it, is it um, uh, I, I, this movie. Judd Apatow's wife? Who's the star of that film? Well, it's Matthew Perry. Right. No, but there's a woman. Isn't she? Doesn't Trachtenberg switch bodies she with somebody? Uh, I look. What's the movie called? Seventeen, <laughs> 17 again? again. It's uh, Leslie it Mann. Yes, Leslie, Mann, Leslie Mann. I knew it. it was Judd Apatow's wife. Yes, Leslie Mann. Leslie Mann's She's in it. She's very funny in uh, that. Thomas Lennon. I did the junket for that movie. Yeah. I did and the, why are you? <laughs> it's a great movie. Uh, it's a little bit of a joke when I say it's my favorite basketball movie. I I wouldn't. I don't think people consider it a basketball movie. But yeah, just just fell a little short age. on my list. <laughs> I'm revealing tomorrow on the show my favorite basketball film of all time. I've been counting them down every day this week. Um, you know, at least you didn't say Joanna Man, Laura, because th my father's actually quoted on the box of oh. Joanna Man. No. We might have to have him on tomorrow to defend himself. I don't know the last time he actually sat and watched Joanna Man from start to finish. Although Joanna Man, probably not that appropriate for today's climate around transgender athletes. Just want to put that one out there. Joanna man, crazy movie. Um, I loved blue chips back in the day. There's been rumblings in Hollywood for many years now of a blue chips too. What if Tony who failed TV, what if he got a job as a, as a assistant coach or something at the university? I think it was called state university or something nondescript, but Shaquille O'Neal, uh, Nick Nolte as the coach, Ed O'Neill in that film as well. Um, Blue Chips, yeah, Neon Badeau, SATs are culturally biased. Love and Basketball, of course, on my list. Omar Epps, Sanaa Lathan. Uh, Omar Epps is going to be in that new Raising Canaan series too, the prequel to Power that's coming out on uh, 
on stars. Looks kind of good. Um, one of the great basketball films came up a little short on my list because I put number four above the rim. I had White Man Can't Jump at number three. Today, I revealed my number two, and that's Hoop Dreams, which is probably the best basketball basketball film ever made. Maybe there should be some, you know, category uh, division between documentaries and, and scripted films. You know, some other great basketball documentaries. The other dream team about the Lithuanian men's basketball team that in the 1992 Olympics won the bronze medal, featured NBA talent like Arvidas Sabonis and um, Sharunis Marshallonis. This is a team that wore Grateful Dead tie-dye warm-up jerseys that you can find on eBay for like $400. Uh, but it was an incredible team because they were born at the, at the fall of the Soviet Union. When the Soviet Union fell in the late 80s and all these new countries popped up, uh, Lithuania entered the, the Olympics and won the bronze medal in 92. The other dream team, they made a great documentary film about it. Uh, Through the Fire, the Sebastian Telfair story. Another great documentary played at the Tribeca Film Festival directed by Jonathan Hawk about Sebastian Telfair, who was you know, a cousin of Stefan Marbury. Marbury from Lincoln High School in New York City in Coney Island, the same school that Jesus Shuttlesworth, Ray Allen, attended and he got game. Uh, Sebastian Telfair, almost like the real-life Jesus Shuttlesworth in a lot of ways. Uh, this film that documents his senior year really takes you inside the mindset of what it means to be a, an in-demand high school athlete. Um, Sebastian would kind of flame out in the NBA and have some real serious personal issues and some legal troubles off the court in recent years. But at that moment, um, he was the man in New York City, and that film captures what it's like to be a big-time high school basketball player. That, that would be on my, my short list of films. Didn't quite make the top five. Sunset Park, I used to love that film. I think Fredro Starr from Onyx and Rhea Perlman, she coaches a, a team, a, a, a kind of misfits who are trying to find their way. I would, I would bet that's like around the time Michelle Pfeiffer did Dangerous Minds and that film did so well. I would imagine there was like a trend in Hollywood of, oh, let's get a, let's get a lady to come in and help out a, a group of troubled kids and turn that into a movie. And maybe that was the genesis behind Sunset Park, but... That was, that was definitely a big movie for me growing up. I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously some, some basketball comedies over the years like Mike and The Sixth Man and, you know, things like that. But uh, it's very challenging to make a great basketball film. You got to get the basketball right. Only a handful of actors can really hoop in a way that's believable on screen. So you got to get the basketball right. You got to find a story that's captivating and, and, and moves you. I thought the way back with Ben Affleck, they did a wonderful job with that film. It's less about the actual basketball and the team's X's and O's, but it's more about this coach's personal battle with his own demons and alcoholism, and it's directed by Gavin Hood, and it's just a, a, a great performance from Affleck. Came out like the week of the pandemic, so kind of got lost in the sauce in 2020, but be sure to check out The Way Back, one of the best acting performances from... Affleck's career but Space Jam a new legacy comes out tomorrow and I actually uh have high hopes for this because Don Cheadle's in it and Don Cheadle's having a moment it's got the new movie with Benicio Del Toro he's uh the narrator on a reboot of the the Wonder Years playing some of the best golf of his career down to a six handicap shoulders feeling good for Don plus he's getting Emmy noms for Black Monday 
And he's the villain opposite LeBron James in Space Jam. So I have high hopes for the film because Don Cheadle's a part of it. You know, we have a phrase out on the golf course when you've got like that 10-foot putt in front of you. And so many times you want to just leave it short. You kind of decelerate on the way down. You kind of, eh. You just push it. You don't get it quite there. The same way that closed mouths can't get fed. Well, short putts can't go in. You got to Don Cheadle it. What would Don Cheadle do? He'd hit that that putt strong with some pace, firmly. He's not going to leave it short. He's Don Cheadle. You got to Cheadle that putt. All right, well, uh, we'll talk some, some baseball cards next. My buddy Shane Powers is joining the show. This guy's lived a wild life. Was on the original cast of Survivor, hosts a radio show, is friends with Tyler, the creator, and is now a baseball, baseball card salesman doing big things with Shane Breakers. We'll talk to Shane Powers, a character here in Hollywood, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' biggest fan in Los Angeles. He's probably still on one from the Super Bowl. We'll talk to Shane Powers next. It's Ben Lyons here for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show.